0: Hey, this morning, I want to talk to you about mass money masters, money masters. Really, it's, a, it's really talking to you about a good steward and, and what the early church did uh, as they lived together as a family, they worshipped together, and uh, also they were great stewards together. And so uh, as we look at this, there's an interesting thing that Jesus said in a parable that he told and uh, Jesus said that worldly people are more clever than spiritual-minded people. And that ought to concern us. It ought to concern us that worldly people are more clever clever than spiritually-minded people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to unfold this, and we're going to see exactly what is it that Jesus is really talking about. Uh, and so the word that we're going to use here is steward. And and steward is an old uh, English word for manager of someone else's property. And so I'll ask you this morning to turn to your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16. And as you turn into your Bibles in the book of Luke 16, uh, what I want to do is I want to talk about the story of the shrewd manager. And in this, Jesus does it in about three, and you can look at it in four scenes. And what I want to do is I want to lay it out to you. This uh, morning as to how they would have heard it during the first century as Jesus began to share with them this parable. And Jesus shares this parable with them. It comes right after the prodigal son that Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal manager. The prodigal son was one who had great resources, but he wasted his resources the prodigal manager had great resources, but he was also wasting the resources of his master. And so in Luke chapter 16, verse 1, uh, let me just kind of introduce it to you that there are three characters in this parable, the story that Jesus is telling. The first character is the manager, or the master rather. And the master is a, uh, is a, um, a wealthy landowner, a wealthy landowner. The second character in this particular story is the manager. And the manager is uh, someone who uh, is responsible for the property and the assets of his master. And then the third one is not, does not show up here, but we can hear about the conversations with them, and that is the debtor. And the debtor represent the poor farmer's who were living on the land of the master and they were sharecroppers. In other words, that they would uh, effectively use the land, raise uh, uh, crops, and they would give the master a portion of that for the privilege of being able to provide for their own family. And so what we have is we have three characters. We have the master, we have the manager, and we have the debtor. We have the master, the manager, and the debtor, And so uh, let's take a look here at scene one. Scene one is in the master's office. Scene one is in the master's office and uh, it's introduced to us in verse one uh, because the, ma- the master, as I said earlier, is a wealthy landowner and he was very respected, must have been respected uh, by the people that were in the villages in the, in the town. And and you know this, and the way you know this is because the people wouldn't have come to him and told him what they did about the manager. But they came to him and they told him about the manager and how he was cheating him out of his assets. And uh, so when we look at this in verse uh, 1, Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Come on, champions, let's read that. Let's read it together now. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his... Re-. Now, now, what the tense of this verb is really interesting because what it gives us, it gives us that he didn't just do it once or they didn't just come once, but, but he was doing it over and over again or Jesus had heard about it or the master had heard about it over and over and over again. And so Jesus calls him in And uh, when Jesus calls him in, look at this, what he says. Uh, The master calls the manager into his office and he says, what this, what is this? What's this that I hear? What is this that I'm hearing about you? He calls him in and says, what is this I hear about you? Now, the master did not say, I heard you've been cheating me. Because if he would have done that, he would have given away why he had called the the manager in there. But but the master said, what is this I hear? And what's interesting is that the manager doesn't respond. He's silent. He's quiet. He doesn't say anything. Because now he's thinking, he's smart enough to know, wait a minute now, Uh, I'm not sure I know what he's talking about. So rather than confess then I've got to think about this. Let me see. Uh, Does he know about one time I did this? Does he know about two times? Or does he know about everything that I have done? And so the manager does not say anything. And so the master then goes on and he says to him, he says, give an account of your management. Give an account of your management. (laughs) And so notice this. This is the time for the manager to start making excuses. You know, kind of, kind of when people have done something wrong and, and they don't want to take responsibility for it, that they'll say, well, you know what? It was so-and-so. I got that word from Louisiana. It was so-and-so. I don't know how to spell that, but I know how to pronounce. It was so-and-so. I think that's what it means, right? So, so he was, he, it was time for him to, to, to make excuses and say, look, look, I want to let you know that when I was away, This is what happened. Or, I don't know exactly what happened, but he did not give a defense of himself. He stayed quiet. And so the master says this. Because you're staying quiet, then you can no longer be manager any longer. Oh, my God. You can no longer be manager any moment, any longer. And so what's interesting is that I I find it very interesting that the the master doesn't scold him. He knows what he's done. The ma- master doesn't fuss at him. The master doesn't throw him in jail for cheating. The mas- there's no drama around it. The master just simply says, you can no longer be my manager. And so he loses his job. He loses his position. But what I do like about him, he didn't spend much time looking in the past. He didn't spend much time feeling sorry for himself. He didn't figure, trying to uh, spend time uh, looking at how he could get his job back. No, he began to focus on his future. He began to focus on what is it that I need to do because I've lost my job, I'm no longer the manager, and uh, my uh, master know that I have been cooking the books. And he has asked me to account for my management. And so now I've got to go back and go get the books. And while he is going back to get the books, he starts thinking about what is it that I'm going to do? I need a plan. I need to figure out what my future is going to look like. What am I going to do? Look in Luke chapter 16, verse 3. Let's read that together, champions. Together, now. The manager said to himself, my master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm, a... okay. He says, look, I'm not physically, I'm not capable of working another job. Like, And my pride won't let me beg. Too proud to beg. So, so he's looking at his physical condition. And he's looking at his, his, repu, his reputation because he doesn't have much character. Well, godly character, let's say it like that. But he's looking at his physical limitation and he's looking at his pride. And he says, look, I can't do manual labor and I am not going to go out on the corner and beg. And as he does this, he recognizes that everybody knows his reputation. He's not liked. People do not think high of him. If they thought high of him, they wouldn't have gone to the master and reported him. So he's here and he knows that I'm 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 out of job. Nobody uh, is going to hire me. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so he's thinking and thinking and thinking, but he's not thinking and feeling remorseful about the past. He's focused on his future and how he's going to make a way in the future. And so he recognizes that his reputation will not allow anybody to do anything for him. So notice what this manager does. He thinks and comes up with a solution that is not based on his reputation, but is based on the reputation of his master. And he's putting his entire future into the master's reputation. And so, uh, We see then that the next area that Jesus talks about is in the manager's office. So the manager, he's kind of thought up this plan. And the manager goes and he he says, he sees someone and he summons them. And he says, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. And look at what this next verse says. This next verse says that uh, in verse 5, let's read it together. Now, so he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? And the farmer says, 800 gallons of olive oil. The manager told him, take your bill. Now stop right there. He says that I owe you 900, but now I want you to make it 450, not eight, nine. One translation says uh, 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 that that he just, just split it in half. And he says that I'm going to work out a deal for you, and I caught the old master in a good mood, and so I worked out a deal for you, and so we're going to forgive your your debt, so whatever you owe him, just cut it in half. Quick, 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 get an invoice, and and just strike through the nine, and then uh, write in the 450, and how many of you know if you're going to get a deal like that, you're going to do it pretty quickly, so you can get in and out with the deal in hand? Isn't that interesting? And so notice this. He didn't stop right there. So he, come on, let's, let's read. He calls the next one in and he lays his contract in front of him. And then he asked him, how much do you owe my master? And then he says these words here. He says a thousand bushels of wheat. And, and now he says, t- uh, t- quick, 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 quick. Uh, take your bill and, 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 and make it eight hundred. So I'm going to give you a discount. Look, look, I'm working out a deal on your behalf. I'm doing you a favor. Because see, me and the master, we got it like this. And so I kind of talk to him on your behalf and I know you need some help. So just, just strike through it and make it eight. And so he did that. Now, what's interesting is that I want you to know this, that by reducing the debts of the farmers, what he did is that he made it, made them indebted to him. And honor was a big part. Honor was a big part in that particular t- at that particular time uh, because, see, in the Middle East, what you had was honor. Look, even in some of the Asian countries, if someone loses their honor or reputation, they resign from their position. You, you might see uh, recently uh, uh, over the last year, I believe it was one of the large uh, banks and uh, the, the uh, head of that bank. Um, there was a scandal about the head and he just, he just, he resigned out of honor. Boy, wow, where has that gone? And and, and so honor was huge in that particular time. And so a person would keep their honor. So he knew that they were indebted to him. And because they were indebted to him, when he was no longer in, in a position of influence, he could go to them and say, hey, remember what I did for you? You owe me hey, can you give me a job? Remember what I did for you? And not only does he have to go to one, but because he did it to the debtors, he can now go from house to house, favor to favor. And Jesus loved what he was doing. I mean, as he, as this manager gathers up the books, as he kind of, he takes these contracts that were still, the ink was still wet on them and he takes his books and he now goes to the ma- ma- master's office to begin to show him the books and so the master now is is in a place because he knows something has happened how does he know something has happened because he can hear outside imagine imagine what would it be like in your in your in your neighborhood if everybody had their notes forgiven All of their debts were paid off or they were cut in half. I mean, there'd be a celebration. You wouldn't just celebrate by yourself, but you'd be celebrating with your neighbors. So in the streets, there's like, woo-hoo, look what my master has done. And and so they are praising the master. They're saying good things about the master because he has forgiven a portion of their debt. And they're celebrating in the streets. (laughs) <laughs> and so Jesus tells the story, and this master now is looking at the books. And as he looks at the books, he has a decision to make because he now knows what has been done. And his decision is do I go outside and tell them that they've been conned, their debts have not been forgiven, or do I keep quiet and allow them to admire this manager who has wasted my resources? So now the master has a decision to make. Do I go and tell them exactly what's happened? Now, if he does that, then now it would affect his reputation with them because the manager is an agent of his. And so look at this. Proverbs 22, This says it like this, says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches or oh, it is better to be esteemed than have silver and gold. A good name is better to be chose. Why? It's because if you've got a good name, you can, if you lose your riches and you have a good name, you can get your riches back. If you lose your wealth, and that's why he says that a good name is rather to be chose than silver or gold. Why? It's because, see, your name is your passport. And he begins to tell them. And so it, for, for, for a person of honor, it's no decision at all. You focus on the reputation rather than trying to shout out the one who has deceived you. And so notice what Jesus says to him. Get this. It's in verse 8. Come on, let's read that. This no good scoundrel. Uh, I don't know. He is this dude, this schemer, this... Look at this. Look at what Jesus said. I mean, it's like Jesus com- commends a no good act, and a no good man. But notice why he commends him. Let's read it together. The master commended this dishonest manager because he had acted what? He commended him not based on his honesty, but based on his cleverness. (laughs) He commended him because of his shrewdness. And what's interesting is Jesus says, Something after that, that should cause all of us to be concerned. Because what Jesus says after this to him, check this out. It says that Jesus said that for the people, come on, you've got to read that because he's talking about us. He's talking about the the, 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 the spiritually minded people. Let's read that together now. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people... And Jesus is talking about money. He says that the people in the world are more shrewd or clever dealing with money than the people of life. You know what one translation says? One translation says it like this. Come on, you gotta read that too. Let's read it together now. Worldly people are more clever than spiritually minded people when it comes to dealing with others. See, worldly people are more clever than spiritually minded people when it comes to dealing with other people. Does that concern you? Does that concern you? Does that concern you? Yes. And now Jesus says, I want to let you know what the lesson is. He says, I've said all this because I want you to get a lesson out of this. He says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal what Jesus is saying is not just go out and, and make friends because people see you have money. No, but what he's saying is that you use your resources to invest in the kingdom. And by investing in the kingdom, you invest into eternal life. Because your money, when you're gone, all the sweat and everything that you've done gone, and you're going to leave your money behind. And somebody else is going to spend it. But your works will go Heaven with you. You'll leave your money behind and your works will go to heaven with you. And so, what Jesus is saying is that when you use your resources investing in the kingdom, what you do is you benefit someone else so that they can have eternal life. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, what he looked at even in the Old Testament, uh, where he says that, For I have given you the power to get wealth. So that my covenant may be established in the earth. So God says that I've given you the Koak, the ability to get wealth, so that my covenant, so that see, God started with one person in his family. but God's desire is to have billions and billions and billions and billions of people in His family. And He says that you are a part of that, and when you invest in the kingdom that you're making friends, that one day when you get to heaven, he says, I want you to think about it like this, that there's gonna be somebody there that's gonna walk up to you and say, thank you, because in part I am here because of what you have done. Now, when we look at this, this manager staked his entire future, not on his own reputation, but the reputation of his master. And he decided that what he would do He noticed that the minister was generous. He noticed that the master was gracious. He noticed that the master had mercy. He noticed that the master would not hold what he had done against him because of the relationship that he had seen when he presented to his master his wasting of his resources. And he bet his entire future on the reputation of the master. You know what one translation says in verse 9? The Message Bible says it like this. Come on, would you read that with me? Let's read it slowly so that they can soak in together down. I want you to be smart in the same way. Okay, wait a minute now. Jesus says, I want you to be smart in the same way. I don't want worldly people to out-clever you because what they'll do is they'll take your righteous money and use it for unrighteous things. He says, smart up. Now, let's start at the top and let's read that together now i want you to be smart in the same way but for what is right using every to stimulate you to create it stop right there boy this is full of stuff we don't we you can go down many roads here but he says that you know what when you face adversity stop complaining about what's happened in the past when you face adversity and you and and you're looking and, and maybe you've laid off on your job stop focusing on the people that did you wrong. When you're facing adversity and it looks like that you don't have money to pay your bills, stop whining and sleeping late. And he says that, get up. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to be, use that adversity to stimulate your creativity. Oh my God, use that to stimulate your creator. I am the creator, he says. And I can make whoever I desire to be creative. And you are my child. And therefore, you don't have to focus on all the wrong stuff that's happening in your, in your life. You rise up and you get created. And you begin to do something differently. You know what? I think about it in, where the Bible talks about how they came to this place and, and, and they, they had brought their friend who was, who was lame. And, 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 and they brought their friend to the house where Jesus was but there was no room in the house so they know their miracle is on the inside of the house and but they can't get into the house so what did they do? they climbed on the roof and tore the roof off the place can you imagine that? they had to carry him up so notice this all of them had to work together to get a cot up on the roof and tear the roof off and when they tore the roof off the Bible says some light came in Jesus looked up there and says that the Bible says he saw their faith and although they couldn't get in like everybody else that was the only miracle at that particular time that the Bible recorded why? it's because they used their creativity look when you come to a place of limitation God says use your creativity to go beyond where you were you can go and look at this. <laughs> this next one says it like this. He says that, uh, I want you to, when you come to a place of adversity, let it stimulate you to creative survival. And he says to concentrate your attention. Let's read it together now. To concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so you live, really live, and not complacently just get by And see, notice this. So many people are just trying to be good. I'm waiting for Aunt Susa to die so I can get my inheritance. She may leave it to somebody else. Then what you're going to do. He says that, uh, and and too often, I'm waiting on God. God says, gosh, I'm waiting on you. I mean, gosh. And so that's why he says that worldly people are more clever than spiritual-minded people. Because why? We won't accept the responsibility in many times. To begin to be money masters rather than having money master us. And we, many times, believers sit and wait, waste hours watching TV. Okay, let me go closer. Waste hours on social media. Okay, boy, gosh. They waste hours. Know that the light bill is about to be turned off and they say, I'm just going to wait until they come and turn it off. I'm going to believe God they ain't going to turn it off. You better get yourself up sell you some stuff online do something just repeat after me would you repeat this please that I declare that when I come to a place of limitation I will not focus on my limitation I will become creative to go beyond where I have been I am a money master Money does not master me. I master money. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Look at this as we wrap it up. In Luke chapter 6, he tells us he wants us to be smart. But then later on in verse 13, you know what he says? He says that no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And you know what? Sometimes we look at God serving us. Like, okay, this is what I want you to need you to do, God. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. He said, like, we are his servants, and money serves us. And so he says that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God, and you can't serve money. Now, he doesn't say that by serving God, you, don't, you can't have money. Isn't that good to know? But he's saying that you can't serve both. Now, you can have two bosses. You can have two jobs, but you can't have two masters. Because you can only be owned by one master. And if he is your master, then you have been called by him to be a master of money. And he says that, how do you do it? You do it, number one, by recognizing that money is a test. And when you pass it, because he says that, look, if, you, if I can't trust you with little stuff, how can I trust you with big stuff? So money is a test. And when you pass the test, Then now you get to another level. But he ultimately shares this with us, that we must be good stewards. And how do we become good stewards? We become good stewards by being masters of money. And you know what? Sometimes I probably consider this question because God says that we are to be money masters. And the question is, what does a person do with assets that are not their own? Will they manage them well or will they waste them? sometimes I'm concerned that when some of you give it's because you think you have to but you really don't want to and Jesus says I want you to think about giving from this time forward as an investment in the lives of those who will one day welcome you into heaven and say because of you everything in my life changed. God gave you the capacity to earn and all that you earn ultimately comes from him because you are the manager and he is the master